unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension, a dimension of sound, a dimension of sight, a dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas, of whether or not Lost is a good TV show. You've just crossed over into All the Best Podcasts Have Daddy Issues. Hi, welcome to All the Best Podcasts Have Daddy Issues, a podcast about whether or not Lost is a good TV show. I'm your host, Nolan Pavlich. And I'm Emma May. And we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 19, S-O-S. Emma, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Oh, I'm great. I, uh... So excited to talk about this episode, which, frankly, I loved. Yeah, same here. I think this is such a good one. I guess, uh, yeah, first impressions, how you, how you feeling about it? I want more character arcs, like Bernard and Rose. Yeah. This was so perfect for me to, like, see how their relationship started mm-hmm. and how it went on. And then coming back to the island, I thought that it was so great. Right. Well, it's great because they, the thing that the Lost uh, producers basically refused to do, the only time that they ever recast one of the main cast members in a flashback is if they're like a little kid, right? Mm -hmm. Like other than that, they basically always have people playing their younger selves. And so a consequence of that for this episode is that they couldn't show Rose and Bernard meeting as young people because they're just both a little bit too old to really, like, pull that off. Yeah. So instead they have them as, like, a kind of, like, later-in-life romance, and it ends up being really sweet and uh, authentic, and it feels, I don't know, really genuine. They 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 both have great chemistry together, which is, mm-hmm. like, great. We haven't seen it up until this point, so it's great to, like, finally get to live in it for a little bit at least. This is the kind of episode that makes me think, like, okay, Maybe Lost is a really good TV show. Mm, yeah. And we don't know. We don't course. know. We don't know. But it could be. Or it could not be. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. Let's get into it. Season 2, Episode 19, SOS, came out April 12th, 2006. It was written by Stephen Maeda and Leonard Dick, who we have seen before, and directed by Eric Lenouville, uh, who uh, he also directed The Other 48 Days. Um, and I don't know if we really talked about him, but he's kind of just a, he's an actor and he's also, he also directs a lot of like Blue Bloods and, uh, NCIS and that kind of thing now. Oh, okay. Um, but he'll go on to direct a few more episodes of the show as well. And I took a peek ahead too, and some of them are like some of my absolute favorite episodes. So, huh. um, yeah, I'm, uh, I think that he adds something good to the show here, at least based on this one. Uh, this episode starts, uh, on the beach. Rose and Bernard are stocking the beach pantry with all of the food that they got from the, uh, the food drop, the Dharma drop. Bernard is frustrated that everyone seems so complacent and has given up on rescue, talking about how they basically went through hell on the other side of the island and everyone over here is, you know, uh, playing golf and, uh, putting a pantry together and all that. And yeah, I mean, a fair... I think all of this stuff is kind of just a manifestation of his, you know, wanting to get, wanting to make the most of the second chance that he thinks Rose has because of him. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a lot more forgive, forgivable in my mind under those uh, 
But it is kind of annoying where it's just like, all right, well, yeah, everybody else has given up because <laughs> there has not been any planes that have come by. Like, they, I think got he has a point, though. I'm yeah, kind I mean, of on Bernard's side. I'm kind of like, well, yeah, if there's like a plane that's going over, then why not? Yeah. Yeah, do I mean, more to try and get off of the island. Like, maybe, I don't know. The big SOS on the beach is like the classic thing that you do when you're stranded on a desert island. So it is weird that nobody's even like gone for that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess mostly just in the sense of like everybody's so complacent, but it's like, well, there's not really much we can do. Like, they did build a raft. Admittedly, that's the plan I would do maybe after the SOS sign, but. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh, in the hatch, Locke is trying to recreate that uh, the image that he saw uh, in the uh, underneath the black light on the blast door. But he's frustrated, uh, and he's ignoring the timer for the hatch. And J- uh, Jack has to come in and remind him to push the button. Uh, Jack goes and asks Anna Lucia how Henry is doing, and we find out that he hasn't ate or drank or said anything for two days. Jack changes the dressing on his shoulder. It says, "Hey, you remember that thing you said about?" Uh, how you you would have had uh, you know Anna Lucia captured and we could have traded her for you. Well, that's actually a good idea. I'm gonna go make that deal with your buddies uh, with Walt and Henry says that they're never gonna give back Walt, so, which is interesting. I do like that we're finally getting mention of Walt at this point. Yeah, yeah. So they do they do remember who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, this makes sense. This kind of seems like something that they could have done. A long time ago. <laughs> it seems uh, It's weird that this idea is just now coming to him. I guess they didn't really have confirmation that Henry was one of the others, but they also yeah. could have just gagged him, taken him out there, and traded for him, and then they would have known for sure whether or not he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get our first flashback, and we open up on Rose stuck in snow in her car, and Bernard telling her that she has to rock it out. Um uh, first off, I love that in this season, I'm able to talk about growing up in Minnesota almost every episode. Uh, <laughs> Bernard is exactly right. <laughs> you do have okay. to rock the car out. Uh, and Rose is doing it wrong. So I will acknowledge that. Wow. Uh, and um, in my current apartment, I can tell when people are doing the Rose method. And I know that they're transplants. Because you can just, like, smell their car tires, like, from the apartment. <laughs> um, instant signal. But yeah, that's uh, what I would do. I'd put the... Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, uh, I'd be uh, spinning the wheels as fast as possible. Yeah, I'd, I, I, if I was... If my car was trapped in snow, I'd just sleep in it for the night. There's zero chance I'd ever be able to get it out of that. It, it takes technique. Mm-hmm, I'm sure. But, uh... The way that Bernard meets Rose by pushing her out of the snow uh, is not an uncommon thing. Like, I think that this is a very believable meet cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Bernard pushes her out, of course, and they have a cute back and forth. Um, Bernard walks away and gets back into his car when she asks if she can buy him a cup of coffee. Yeah. It is a really uh, cute meeting too. Like, in, mm-hmm. uh, like the 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 whole they play it really well with both of them clearly wanting to continue the conversation, but obviously there's no reason they should. Um, yeah, it's good. And it's Bernard very is uh, I like it. charming. <laughs> he is, yeah. Bernard talks. Well, 
first, actually, Hurley and Rose are talking, and we find out that Hurley's on a diet. So even though Rose saves some candy bars for him, he doesn't want them. Uh, Bernard comes up and asks Hurley to get a bunch of people together, including... I think we should just mention this, uh, the Frogurt guy. What the hell? <laughs> um, the, uh... I mean, isn't that such a... That's such a 2006 reference, like, where Frogurt is just a funny thing to say. Yeah. They would, um... The idea of one of the guys on the island used to run a frozen yogurt, a frozen yogurt shop is uh, such a funny idea to me. And that he's just known as Frogurt. Frogurt, yeah, they just like, call him Frogurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, uh, Hurley asks what he wants all the people for, and Bernard says, oh, I've got an idea, but he won't tell them. Anna Lucia uh, gives Jack a gun um, to go when he goes to make the trade. She says that she should come with him, but Jack says, no, you got to stay here because uh, he doesn't think John can take care of it by himself. Probably correct. Jack uh, instead goes to ask Kate for help with the, tr- with the exchange. Um, and at first Sawyer thinks that, you know, Jack is inviting him because he wants a gun, but Jack says, oh, no, I've got a gun. Don't worry, I actually want Kate to come help me. Um, I do wonder if Jack was coming over <laughs> to in- invite Sawyer first, and then as soon as Sawyer guessed it, he uh, he decided to change to Kate. But, yeah, I don't know. I-, I guess this is Jack trying to make peace with the fact that he's been mad at her for 12 episodes mm-hmm. uh, because she got captured. Back on the beach, Bernard is chastising everyone for not wanting to leave enough. Um, and everybody's kind of being like, yeah, hey, we, how can you say that? We built a raft. Come on. Uh, this is the tiny little bit of Claire we get in this episode, I guess, so better enjoy it. He wants to build a sign on the beach. And uh, Rose undercuts him, saying, hey, shouldn't we ask Jack? And Bernard pulls her aside. Well, she also makes a crack about how, you know, Bernard says, well, he's not, like, the president, right? He's just the doctor. We can we can do stuff without him. And Rose says, oh, you're just a dentist, though. And everybody kind of, like, giggles behind their hands at that. Yeah. Um, which, I gotta say, yeah, pretty uh, pretty lame. I think Bernard... Harsh. Yeah, takes it pretty well. He kind of just pulls her aside and says, hey, I'm just trying to actually, like, do something here. Right. Um, and she says, I'm well, on you're Bernard's just... side. For sure, I, at this I kinda, point. Well, at this point, yes. I, I think later on it, it turns. Uh, but uh, she says, you know, you're just giving people false hope. But, like, it is something... Uh, we kind of got this already with the golf. Um, but it is true that, like, people do need an outlet, right? And, like, if you mm-hmm. just got 40 people sitting around the beach all day, like, that's great when you're on vacation. But, like, you got to have something to do with your life. Otherwise, you're going to go insane. Um, right. So it, it makes sense that this would be happening anyways. But, yeah, so he uh, he's determined to build it, even though she doesn't want him to. Uh, in our second flashback, Rose and Bernard at, are at a beautiful restaurant, I think at Niagara Falls? Yes. Okay. Although, I mean, I think that's what it's supposed to be. I'm sure it's just a waterfall in Hawaii. Okay. Um, but, yes. You're probably right. Um, yes. They're at a beautiful restaurant overlooking some nondescript waterfalls Mm -hmm. uh rose doesn't have much for hair um which i think has been kind of hinting at her cancer since we first saw her in the car Mm -hmm. and bernard is signaling to an orchestra 
uh, to come over um, a couple strings. Um, and Rose asked why he isn't paying attention to the falls. Uh, and she does say, what does God have to do to get your attention? Mm-hmm. As Bernard begins to propose, which I think is an important point to their relationship. I think that it illustrates how faith-based Rose's beliefs are and how emotionally based Bernard's decisions are um, mm-hmm. kind of throughout their relationship. Yeah. Uh, well, especially Bernard, on the island, yeah. like Rose's faith has only gotten strengthened too. Yeah. Bernard ends up purpo- proposing to Rose. He has uh, really piercing blue eyes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, very handsome. But anyway, he's proposing after five months together and says that he knew after five minutes and he asks her to marry him. And Rose says that she's sick and dying. So this is the first time that it's come up somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, the string uh, team leaves and Bernard goes back to his seat. Hold on. I uh, want to say this. That's one of my yeah. favorite things is when somebody does that in a TV show or a movie, they bring over the band and then the proposal doesn't go the way they think. So they have to send the band away. To me, that's just one of the funniest things. I just always think of like what it must be like to be the band where you're just like, all right, well, I mean, I guess I'll just go chill in the corner. Like, I don't really have anything else here to do. I will say, too, in terms of, like, uh, TV show proposals, his is pretty good. Yeah. It's up there. Um, Rose goes on to explain that she has been in remission, but now her cancer is active and that she only has a year to live. Um, Bernard is obviously heartbroken by this, but asks her again to marry him. And Rose asks if he's sure, and he says that he is, and then she accepts. Mm-hmm. Um, so already, I mean, just a great scene on its own. Um, I did want to bring up, um, this is uh, this is a quote straight from L. Scott Caldwell, Caldwell uh, who plays Rose. It, she, it, it was on the season two extras. Um, it's like a commentary for the episode, so I'm just going to read this. Uh, from L. Scott Caldwell, it's loosely based on events in my life, uh, in my personal life. My husband, who I married during the pilot, had an advanced cancer, and about a year after we married, he died. When you meet somebody who's in the final stages of their life, the other person, the healthy person, is going to do all they can to keep you living. So, that's the dynamic of this story. And the person that's going through it, at least in my experience, after they've been fighting for so long, you just reach that fork in the road where you can just keep going down that path of struggle or you can stand where you are and accept where you are and accept it as a blessing. And that's a very powerful place to be. So yeah, kind of incredible. So, I mean, this the writers obviously had found out from Rose, or from, I'm sorry, from L. Scott Caldwell that, uh, that her husband had passed away over the course of, uh, you know, by, I'm going to say if they met during the pilot a year after that is probably not even through season one. Um, no. They they obviously took from her life with her blessing and she kind of got to play the other side of it in, in the mm-hmm. show. So I imagine it was cathartic in a way for her. Um, but yeah, pretty impressive. And it, it really, I think knowing that adds a lot to this episode too. So much, um, yeah. Which um, it, are just... Her performance is really outstanding in this, and uh, this this scene, and um, one later on in the episode too. I just both. I'm just. I think they must have been pretty 
uh, pretty incredible for her to be able to play out um, like this, just having it come from her personal life. Yeah, it adds so much depth to the episode. And I just to bring it back to the show, I feel like that is the type of context and representation that the writers could have used more yes. of throughout mm-hmm. the series. Um, even if it was just uh, talking to like Harold Perno about yeah. like <laughs> yeah. his character. I don't know. Like they they really could have drawn from real life experience a lot more and it would have added so much more to the show and so much more to the characters. Yeah. Oh yeah, it makes this feel a lot more authentic. Yeah. Back on the island, Bernard is trying to recruit Charlie and Echo, but they both say no. Uh, they are building a church, we find out. I mean, I guess kind of obvious, maybe in retrospect, but I know my first time through, I didn't see it coming. Their relationship makes so much more sense now. Yes. Yeah. Now that they're they're little church buddies. Mm-hmm. In the hatch, Locke is frustrated. Um, he's again trying to draw the map and failing at it. He wants to go talk to Henry, but Anna Lucia says that since there's no gun anymore, that the door has to stay shut. So instead, he just yells at him through the door, asking if he really hit the buttons. Um, Inside, Henry is silent, but starts to smile when he hears Locke getting more and more desperate outside. I mean, just obviously, he completely played Locke here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really getting under his skin. And Locke eats it up every single time. Yeah, Locke is a glutton for, for punishment on this, for sure. Yeah. On the beach, Bernard tells everyone to uh, start hauling rocks in. Uh, He wants black rocks to contrast with the white sand. And uh, to do that, they're going to need to haul them in from a half mile inland near a volcano field. I mean, this is where I'm just like, boy, Bernard, I'm with you on what you're doing, but uh, you actually don't want to do it. You just want to be the project manager. Yeah, (laughs) right. He's just a bad manager. Um, I I imagine that at his dentist's office, it would have been frustrating to be one of the the dental assistants, Mm -hmm. dental hygienists. Uh, But yeah, it's, uh, you're starting to already see the cracks in his plan. In our third flashback, Rose and Bernard are driving through the outback. Mm -hmm. And uh, it turns out that they're on their honeymoon and uh, they're spending it in the Australian desert. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I'm so shocked that at that point, Rose wasn't like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Like, how did it get that far? Yeah. Um, but Bernard brings them to a sheep farm in the middle of nowhere so Rose can see Isaac of Uluru. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he's helped people with his healing powers. Um, Rose is pissed. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bernard brought her to a faith healer without her knowledge and without her consent. On their honeymoon. On their honeymoon. And Bernard tells Rose that he got three separate calls recommending this guy because of her situation, which really triggers her. But in what world would three different people recommend some, like, random guy in the Australian desert? Well, sounds like it really works. Well, yeah, maybe it does. Um, So, really disingenuous reason to go to Australia. But 
Yeah. I will say, like, kind of, like, watching Bernard and him just kind of grasping at straws, trying to figure out, like, how we can help Rose. Right. I really empathize with him. And yeah. it was hard for me as a viewer to be mad at him, even though I feel like Rose was totally in the right. Because, yes, of course, you would want to do something like that for your partner if you thought that it would actually help. Like, if you believe that it was the key to helping their cancer right yeah i mean this is him it's clearly how he has to process uh you know finding out something like that about her i mean they'd only known each other for five months and she clearly had just been keeping it a secret from him yeah i i personally if it's me and i'm going on a honeymoon i maybe don't make any portion of it a surprise unless it's like a surprise i 100% 100% unequivocally know the other person's going to like. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I agree that it is, it's hard to be like, uh, you're a liar, Bernard, when it's like, yeah, he's, I mean, he's just trying to help. Yeah. Yeah. And to tie it in with previous episodes of our podcast, I feel like this is exactly the kind of, like, complicated television that they could have done with Charlie and his addiction or mm-hmm. Sawyer and Michael. And um, I just, I feel like that added context of uh, Rose's performance is so pivotal to how well this uh, episode just works. And yeah, because it's, so it's, a, it's a real argument. It's not one... It, it's an argument where, like, both people are at, have a point. As yeah. opposed to, like, so many of the arguments on the show stem from, hey, Jack's being a real son of a bitch this week. Um, and next week he'll be fine, but, like, this week he's going to be mad about this. Right. And this, yeah, it just feels a lot more... I mean, again, I, there wasn't really anything on this element in particular... I can't imagine that, you know, L. Scott Caldwell actually, you know, took her husband to a faith healer or anything like that. Right. I think that's right. part for the show. But, like, I have to imagine that there is some element of that, too, where, like, yeah, you, I mean, it's essentially bargaining, right, in the stage of grief. And it turns out that Bernard, we find out, made a $10,000 donation to mm-hmm. get in front of the line. Um, and Rose is very upset she says that she didn't ask for this and that she has made peace with what is happening bernard says that he hasn't and that he can't do nothing and that he has to try and he asks her to try with him uh and rose doesn't really agree to anything but she looks on painfully um and anytime like i don't know i feel like this episode is so good with depicting the that relationship dynamic with people who have a terminal illness. Mm-hmm. And I think that this scene really illustrates it very well. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that, uh, I think it's really well done. Uh, I think the flashbacks, I, the flashbacks in this episode are one of my favorites in the show. Honestly, mm-hmm. I don't know if I put this episode as my absolute favorite, but, uh, the flashbacks of Rose and Bernard, um, I'm always glad when we get to see him, and this really did them justice. And we, like, I feel like we knew that something really good and amazing was building with them, but I didn't expect it to be this good and this poignant. Mm -hmm. Back on the beach, Bernard is still not 
helping build or haul the rocks, but he is unsuccessfully trying to recruit Sawyer. He and Rose kind of bicker over, you know, why he lost uh, helpers, uh, her saying that he has a management problem. Uh, she asks why he can't just let things be, and he says, if I just let things be, then you wouldn't be here. Which, this is maybe the thing where I'm fully not on his side, like, alright, Bernard, if you bring her to a faith healer and she tells you that she's cured afterwards, you don't get to bring that up in an argument, ever. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of maybe, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't get to hold that over anybody's head. But, Kate and Jack are walking through the jungle, um... She uh, she tells Jack that she's flattered that uh, Jack chose her. Jack says, okay, well, actually, I asked Saeed first, but he refused. And uh, Kate sees a doll uh, sitting by a tree, and she goes to grab it. Jack is yelling at her to stop, but she does it anyways. Uh, and so instead, he goes to tackle her out of the way. But instead of being a big spike ball trap, it is a net trap, probably set by Rousseau, they think. Um, so Kate and Jack both get, uh, caught in this net. Um, I mean, this is pure fan service, right? Like, yeah. this is just, this is like almost like a fan fiction, um, of just like, how do you get two characters to have sexual tension? Uh, it's pretty on the nose. I'm not going to say it's bad, but I, it's pretty on the nose. Well, I hated it. Really? I don't, I don't, I, did. I, I did didn't hate it. like it. I did not like it. I think that this is the only way that you can make uh, Jack and Kate have sexual tension. <laughs> it's like, like confining them to each other? Yeah, and like yeah. panting heavily. I think that's <laughs> the well, only look, way Jack's that they can make that it no happen. What, but... so, uh, so we just maybe got to channel it for Kate. <laughs> they, yeah, so they struggle while they're confined. They're trying to get it. Uh, the gun out of the back of Jack's uh, shorts and uh, Kate's able to grab it and uh, she shoots at the rope that's holding them up but misses and so Jack takes the gun and shoots at it and it hits it and they're released and there's some little banter between them over her having better aim and he's the one who has the better angle on it all that kind of stuff um, yeah I didn't hate this as much as uh, Emma did but it is pretty ham-fisted Mm-hmm. Back on the beach, Bernard yells at Jin for uh, not doing what he wanted correctly. I have no idea. I should have looked up. I, there's got to be somewhere that has all of Jin's dialogue. Uh, I have to imagine. Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you basically get the gist of it. Like, you know, Jin's just telling him to shove it. And if he wants to build it, he can build it himself. Bernard wanted the rocks to be in rows of three and... Jin is just doing it with one. Seems pretty clear to me that Jin's just doing one, and then he's going to come back and do the other two. Uh, he's mm -hmm. doing them in a row as opposed to at the same time. I don't really know what the difference Efficient. there would be. Yeah. You can get the SOS out sooner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just trying so, to get a head start on it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this at this point, pretty hard to have any real sympathy for Bernard here. He's uh, being a real ass. Mm-hmm. Um, Locke has made his way out to the beach, and he's sitting out there. Rose joins him and kind of teases him about, uh, you know, his his leg injury. He uh, Locke says that he's done with the hatch. Um, and Rose says, oh, no, come on, you're going to be... This is just a minor setback. You're going to be up and about in no time. And he says, well, Jack told me I'd be recovered in four weeks. 
And uh, Rose says, you and I both know it's not going to take that long. Implying that Rose knows about uh, about his him being in a wheelchair previously. But also, I, I mean, I think this is pretty well done because it is. There's this kind of weird twist at the end of this, right? Which is oh, that yeah. R- Rose also knows, hey, this island kind of heals people. And you're... you're you're injured, but you're not going to be as injured as people think. Right. I didn't remember this episode going into it. And for me, it just felt like a cheeky, like, oh, supportive. Like, it's not going to take you four weeks. Like, that's sure. how I saw it until I saw the twist at the end. Mm-hmm. I like that it's really establishing that Rose and Locke are both people of faith. Yeah. In this too. Uh, like there's so much um parallel to uh Locke and Jack and even Rose and Bernard, I think. Like Bernard sure. is such a like data person and like, oh well three people recommended this person to me, so that has to be good. Mm-hmm. Um instead of like actually sitting down and thinking like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't take my new wife to <laughs> <laughs> this weirdo in Australia. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, in the fourth flashback, Rose walks into Isaac's office. And I say that loosely. Um, mm-hmm. It's surrounded by crutches and walkers. And it's lined with thank you notes and pictures, accolades. Uh, Isaac walks in and gives Rose a chair. Um, he's played by Wayne Pygram who I didn't recognize at all, but he is in some pretty iconic sci-fi. He's in Star Wars Episode Three as Governor Tarkin, and he's also in Farscape as uh, Harvey and Scorpius. I don't know who those people are, but I recognize Oh, really? Yeah. Do you recognize that? Yeah. Have you seen Farscape? No. It's it's good. It's it's like a Jim Henson uh, sci-fi. I oh. think Jim Henson. I think it is, uh, but it's got a lot of puppets. They do. It, it's got like that kind of that old Star Wars feel. It was like an oh, okay. early two thousand sci fi show, or maybe even late nineties. But the guy that he plays on that is like a big villain in the show. But I didn't even recognize him because on the show he just has so much like makeup on him and all that. Yeah, uh, that's funny. I did recognize him immediately though because uh, he is essentially just the dollar store Patrick Stewart. Oh my god, um, yes. He yeah. he has like the he's bald and he's got blue eyes and he's got essentially the same head shape as Patrick Stewart. Yeah. He doesn't sound anything like him, but No, unfortunately. But <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. Like absolutely. Mm-hmm. Rose is immediately very rude, which I don't think is okay to take out on Isaac, but also, like, I understand that she's rightfully annoyed, so I get it. Um, There's some continuity there. Mm -hmm. Um, She's very skeptical, and he sits down and tells her that there are certain places with great energy. Uh, He says that the energy is geographical or magnetic, which Mm -hmm. I think probably played into the lore of the show quite a bit um, oh for sure i mean the... the implication of this right is the island is another one of those places right right and just like the mechanics of the bunker that they're in the hatch mm-hmm. with like uh 
all the worrying and that's what it made me think of like oh is there a magnet or like but he says that um it's something that he harnesses and gives to others uh, he puts his hands dramatically above her face and it's very tense for a moment before he looks away and he looks very disturbed and he says that he's sorry but he can't do anything for her and i'm just getting kind of flashbacks to claire and the clairvoyant yeah. that she was dealing with um in australia um i don't know like there's maybe something there but i don't yeah. really know for no. sure I, I think for sure i mean it definitely implies that there is something going on with the people that were that ended up on oceanic 815 in a yeah. in a psychic sense or whatever a spiritual sense mm-hmm. uh, there's something that all these spiritual people see that uh they can't do anything with she says that she didn't expect him to do anything and fix her and begins to walk away. And as she's walking away, he says that it's not that you can't be healed. It's that you need different energy. This isn't the place for you. And she asks where the right place is and says that he doesn't know. And he also says that he's going to return Bernard's donation, but she stops him and tells him that he's, she's going to tell Bernard that, she has been fixed. Which is also, um, I think, pretty... It's pretty easy to sympathize with that as well. Kind of in the yeah. same way that I think uh, you can sympathize with Bernard, you know, tricking her into going to this faith healer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that her tricking him into thinking it worked, It uh, it's sad, but it makes sense. It's complicated. It's mm-hmm. like what I want to see from the characters and lost and their relationships and lost i yeah. really it's it's very sad but i really like what they've done with this episode in the yeah. flashbacks at least a hundred percent uh back on the island kate tells jack about the medical station and the costumes uh, with the others which i gotta say i assume that she would have told him already it's been like a few episodes now uh, he mm-hmm. says, hey, when were you going to tell me this? And she says, you know, when you let me back in the club, you uh, you hit a guy for almost a week from me, um, which is a fair point. It's weird that Jack would even be kind of mad about not being told about the medical station because, uh, yeah, you keep secrets from everybody. That's what I don't like about the way that they're treating the other people on the island is yeah. that, like, they do not share any of this. No. And how much would you love to have a shower if you've been on a deserted island for like two months? You well, know? even like, ignoring all of that, like the um, just knowing that there's another in the hatch. Um, yeah, like a threat like, very close to you. The others could easily want to like raid the camp to get their guy back. And so that's kind of like a danger that everyone should know about. Right. It's a huge risk. Yeah. There's really not a democracy on the island at all. It's like Locke and Jack against each other. Yes, exactly. Um, Jack, all of a sudden, as they're arguing, realizes that they're at the line in the jungle where they were at previously. uh, And he shouts for the others with no response. Um, I got to say, the camera work while he's shouting, pretty fantastic. It looks Mm -hmm. real good. He's shouting in the rain, you know, I got your guy, we've got your man, come talk to us, that kind of thing. Uh, On the beach, Bernard is now making the sign by himself. Uh, Rose brings him some supper, 
and uh, says that she wants to apologize to him, and he kind of says, like, yeah, I, you don't have anything to apologize for. I drove everybody away, which already is just so great, like, just seeing that he's uh, willing to take responsibility for what a bad manager he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she says, no, that's I don't want to apologize for that. I, I need to apologize to you for lying to you in Australia because Isaac didn't heal her. But she says just because he didn't heal her doesn't mean she wasn't healed. That she feels healed now. She she could feel the sickness in her body before, but ever since they landed, she hasn't felt it. Um, and this is kind of overlaid over... I, I guess it is a flashback, but it's a really short one of just her dropping some pills and... Uh, at the airport, like, check-in gate, and John Locke wheels by in his wheelchair and picks him up for her and hands him to her. Mm -hmm. Um, Just letting us know that Rose has known the whole time that Locke was in a wheelchair. And she keeps it a secret. Well, I mean, she's been healed by the island, too. Like, she probably feels... It's weird that she never brought it up with him up till now. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they just didn't have this backstory written for her, I guess. But (laughs) the... um, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're ba- they're the two people, you know, it, his is the more obvious miracle, but a miracle right. happened to both of them on the island, which is just pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Rose didn't want Bernard to be worried with, you know, what little time they had left. And so Bernard realizes that she, the reason she's been protesting the sign is she doesn't want to be rescued. And so he, he tells her he'll stop immediately and that they won't ever leave, um... And they embrace and make up. It's really, it's really fantastic. It's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, he he also says I'd offer to take down the sign, but I didn't get very far on it. And then we finally get like a wide shot of it in the air, and it's him having gotten like four feet worth of rocks um, on the start of SOS, uh, which is a pretty good little like button to the scene. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I pretty. I mean. Just emotionally satisfying, and also it keeps the mysticism of the show going. Um, it's a really good backstory for characters who could easily... If Rose and Bernard had never gotten a flashback episode, I would be mad about it. But I think the show overall, it wouldn't It wouldn't be like, wow, the show's really been begging for this. Like, I think it could yeah. conceivably have never happened. So right. the fact that it did happen and it was well done and it fits in with the mythology of the show is is pretty it, it fits in pretty well. I think so too. And I like that it's the A plot point and mm-hmm. Jack and Kate is kind of like the B or C plot point. Even yep, though it sure. adds so much more to the season what Jack and Kate are doing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good essentially slice of life episode for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in the hatch, uh, Locke throws on this magic moment on the record player. Um, Anna Lucia says, hey, I pushed your button for you. And Locke says, it's not my button. Um, and he goes back into the hatch room and starts to draw the map again. But this time he's smiling as he does it. So he's clearly having an easier time coming up with it now that he's given up on the hatch. We get a music montage. It's pretty great, um, you know, the, the usual stuff of people sitting around the campfire, Jin with his hand over, you know, son's stomach, uh, uh, Sawyer, Vincent comes up to Sawyer and Sawyer gives him the, the oyster he's been shucking half-heartedly, um, that's all pretty great. There's one moment that I think we have to bring up, I don't know. 
I mean, this is insane to me. Uh, Hurley is making shadow puppets for Lily, for for Libby, and she is laughing hysterically at them. Mm-hmm. Like she's truly laughing at the shadow puppets. I don't even know what to say to that. It's it's so insane to me. <laughs> yeah, weirdo behavior for yeah. both of them. I, frankly, and I don't know if this is controversial for me to say, they both belong in a mental hospital. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I think of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, this uh, very very corny, uh, and again, not not dissuading me from feeling like uh, Hurley is Libby's seven year old son. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Our final scene of the episode: Jack and Kate are waiting at the fire, um, and. Kate says, hey, how long are you going to wait? And Jack says, until my voice comes back. Uh, Kate apologizes for kissing Jack. And Jack says, well, you don't have to... I'm not sorry about it. Um, And before they can, I guess, make out, uh, suddenly somebody comes out of the jungle and collapses. They turn it over. Who is it? But our old friend Michael. He is still alive. Harold Perrineau returns to Lost. Finally. Yes. Um... Yeah, and then that's the end of the episode. Was he filming something else, or no, do we know? I don't, I th- okay. If I'm, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it more next week. My personal feeling is that they didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, uh, I think that they couldn't square the fact that uh, Walt wasn't going to be around with uh, Michael just kind of sitting around at the camp, mm-hmm. um, which is fair. They kind of wrote themselves into a bit of a corner there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, but we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. episode came in, uh, let me, let me ask you right now, Emma, we're on IMDb, this out of 121 episodes total, where do you think this one would fall? Where, where would you rank this one thereabouts? I actually want to back off for a minute. Okay. Because I think it's important to mention, I'm sorry that I didn't cut in sooner, but the song was by Otis Redding. Oh, yes. Did I, did I not say that? Yeah. Um, you, you didn't mention, but he, yeah. um, maybe you're about to say, he died in a plane crash. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he did. No, he I died in a that. plane crash. I didn't know either. And Otis Redding is one of my favorite artists. I love oh him. Oh, gosh. Um, and he died in a plane crash outside of... Uh, Wisconsin, of all places. Wow, I had no idea. Yep. Um, Yeah, he's, I mean, Otis Redding is phenomenal. I mean, mm -hmm. this is a good good. needle drop here. Um, I think my favorite use of him in a a movie or TV show is in Twin Peaks, The Return. They throw in I've Been Loving You Too Long for a pretty, I mean, I won't spoil it, I suppose, but for a pretty pivotal scene. And it's really Is somebody cutting onions? <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's great to know. I, I Yeah, I love when they throw those in, so I had no idea. Okay. Man, because it must be Otis... yeah, the number ahead. of like really good artists that have died in a plane crash. Like Patsy Cline, too. Insane I mean, they, re- they really, they lucked out. It's a good thing that, like, uh, you know, it wasn't like, oh my God, you know, uh, like if Vanilla Ice had died in a plane crash or something, and it's like, well, yeah. I guess we're stuck with this. Dang. <laughs> Stop flying private. 
Yeah. Is, it should have been the message 50 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, but because Otis Redding is in this and because we get uh, uh, little Rose and Bernard flashback, I'm going to say that this is in the top, like, 25%, like, the top quarter Mm. of law shows that's where i would put it that would be in 30 or above yeah okay well i think i would probably put it up there too it would for i think for me it would at least make 40 no matter what it's hard to say where else but imdb this comes in at number 115 (gasps) so low that's insane that hurts that is insane to me we've had We've had six worst episodes on the show so far, and we're only in season two. And yeah. No spoilers, folks, but we've got much worse episodes coming. So it <laughs> very, very wild to me that this scored so low. I can't believe that people weren't like intrigued and then satisfied with like the Rose and Bernard. Well, for story sure, every, that we had. I, I, they even talk about it in that commentary that I brought up earlier. They talk about how much Rose and Bernard's storyline was like clamored for after he came back so and people were anxious for it so maybe it just didn't hit the mark i don't know maybe bernard mm. was too annoying on the island and people couldn't sympathize with him enough i think it's a really lovely story i think that the on island stuff is largely pretty good um yeah i don't know here's Very... what i'll say about it hmm. after knowing that i think it was ahead of its time i think sure. that like in what was this 2006 april Mm -hmm. 2006 yeah i think at that time like primetime television people were not interested in like stories about a relationship stories about uh emotional connection and like a character arc i don't think people really cared about that i think that they wanted the action Mm -hmm. and i think that they wanted like the mystery and story development Yeah. yeah so that's what i'm gonna sum it up to because it should be way higher I agree. Yeah. Yep. Um, frankly, shame on you, IMDb. But yeah. What can you do? Um, and that's why this podcast is so important, because we have to set the record straight about this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Next week, uh, we will be another Anna Lucia episode. Uh, Two for the Road is the name of it. Uh, until then, if you enjoy this episode, if you wouldn't mind going to your podcast listening app and giving us a rating um emma how many stars would you say they should give us uh probably above four like maybe five okay so at least above four so minimum five yeah Yeah, i think that's right so that's basically one for each star uh for each rock that bernard was able to get in the Mm -hmm. sign by himself um yeah uh you can tweet at us at all the best pods on Twitter, you can email us, allthebestpodcasts at gmail.com. Um, and until next week, get lost. Get lost. <laughs>